Repent! I will not repent. Beware the beast man, for he is the devil's pawn. Alone among God's primates, he kills for sport, or lust, or greed. You gotta tell him! Silent greed is people! The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. And like that, he's gone. Put him away now, as I should have, years ago. He was always bad. Barna weep, grana weep, mini balm. It's time for the unrepentant list man. I feel like I need my own theme music for this. Can I get, can I, you guys compose anything? Jeffrey, come on, Mr. Musician. You think you need, you, you need new theme I, music? No, no, like, I, I want something, like, you know, superhero-y, uh, maybe even, like, a little bit like the final countdown. <laughs> you didn't like the count? Oh, uh, actually, I think I, uh, did I keep the count? I remade it last time around, and... Uh, it's just, you know, when I see the unrepentant list, man, I, I almost fe- feel that I should put in a little final countdown or, so- or something similar to that. <laughs> you know, we, we're not looking to get sued by Europe or anything, but uh, something that would, you know, the uh, the television knockoff music. Sorry, I've been I've been forced to watch like a lot South of Park. I've been forced to watch a lot of Canadian shows lately, and they did it a lot, especially in the 90s. <laughs> what Canadian shows are you watching? Are you afraid of the dark and goosebumps? Oh, because my little people are obsessed with creepy shit. And, you know, I, it's some of those things like I totally encourage, but uh, whatever. All right, uh, guys, here we are. Wait, goosebumps the, is Canadian. What? Goosebumps is Canadian? the show production was Canadian. Uh, uh, although R.L. Uh, Stein is not Canadian. If that's what you're wondering. Oh, uh, ruined. All right, go ahead. Uh, wait, is ruined. Do I, you, you wanted him to be Canadian? No, 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 like the show. Um, I was a little bit too old for it, but it was almost my childhood. I never read the novels, and other people had when they were younger. So as the shows came out, people were really into them. So it feels like it should have been a part of my childhood, and I watched a few of them. Uh, I never, I, I, ne- I, I don't think I had a conception. back then, which is one of, you know, one yeah. of the things I, why I put it on. Of course, my wife had watched Are You I'd never, had, never even heard of Are You Afraid of the Dark, but apparently it's be on Nickelodeon all the time, but whatever. But I don't know if you guys realize, just like half of Nickelodeon's programming back then was Canadian shit. Whoa! Well, you can't like do that our, on television, right? Canadian. That's yeah. the uh, first public appearance of Alanis Morissette was yes. on that show. Goosebumps has oh, really? Goosebumps and Are You Afraid of the Dark both have a young Ryan Gosling as well. Oh, really? Yeah, it's sort of interesting because like the wow. acting is so bad with goosebumps and are you afraid of the dark but he's the one kid who was like oh shit that kid can oh hey it's ryan gosling <laughs> so you know you, you know some like producers in hollywood like hey there's that canadian kid that can act let's get him in here put him in some movies <laughs> they just had a thing on npr this week and they're talking about canadian television and how there was never a good canadian television show and production history and all this they're, they're, i mean Ooh. there's a bunch of canadian producers and crap talking about how bad canadian television was isn't that's bizarre are, isn't orphan is black Canadian, technically? Really? I thought it was Orphan Black. I believe it's Canadian. It's a Canadian production, although BBC is the one who distributes distributes in America via BBC America. Well, maybe that's what makes it good. Because BBC is like, oh, hey, this doesn't suck. Let's produce this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We can actually sell this to people outside of your shithole country. All right, guys, are you ready for the uh, top 10 twist ending movies? Yes. Yeah. Hey, can you specify real quick? These are top ten twist endings. I mean, like, are these like the best twists? All right, I'm going. I am, I'm actually going to qualify that right now. I'm rating it according to the overall effect of the twist. Of course, there's a movie on here you know is my favorite movie of all time, but it's not number one because of the the twist wasn't that unexpected, and because I'd seen it when I was so young, it might not have like I might have already known it walking into the movie or watching the movie anyway, yeah. but I, I don't know. You talk to some people who were older at the time to have watched that particular movie and they will say how everybody was flabbergasted. But no, this one was for me the most surprising twist in good movies. 
So if it's a shit movie and it's got uh, you know a twist to it, I'm like yeah, whatever. But these are the ones who actually had an effect on pop culture. There are you know how many of these movies actually have uh, pop culture or have entered the pop culture lexicon as far as quoting and certain musical moments that we'll get to. I mean, even starting with my number ten, this also spawned some quotable you know moments. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to do with the twist, but it kind of does. And anyway, the number 10, guys, is M. Night Shyamalan, way before he got really shitty, The Sixth Sense. M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah, Shyamalan Ding Dong. Yes, and uh, as far as, uh, we're, we're spoiling a whole lot of shit if you guys have not seen these movies, so if you do not want your movie spoiled, uh, we're obviously talking about twist, mo- <laughs> twist well, endings. Some of these, have you've had plenty of time. Some of these you've had plenty of time. Yeah, I... This is this is the a discussion about the endings of movies. Why do we need a spoiler alert for this? You deserve it's to have your twist, movie spoiled. It's the twist, man. It's like uh, it's. I was telling somebody the ending of the Iliad the other day. I'm like, dude, this is three thousand years later. Get the fuck over yourself. Uh-huh. I mean, if you you've not caught up by now, we're there's no such thing, you know. Yeah, I think. But even if just like saying that this is a movie that you would put on a list for a twist ending. Like you've kind the of ruined the movie. A twist movie. No, I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. Because one of the other movies on the list, somebody said, like, "Oh, hey, totally rent this. It has a twist ending." And I was like, "Oh shit, I better watch this." So I put saying it has a twist ending doesn't detour me. It actually makes me more fascinated by it. Well, but out we of are, these movies, uh-huh. how old is the newest one? Uh, let's see. Uh, one two thousand five. I think 2005 is the most recent one. So you get, you've had 10 years. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, and there's a remake that came out for one of them, but we'll talk about that in a second. All right, guys, Sixth Sense. Right, Where were go. you? When were you? When you first watched that movie? I was at home, and I saw it on TV after it had been explained to me five different times by what five different people. What the twist was? You're like, oh, fuck. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I had already So somebody had I spoiled it for you. I was an early you. adopter with it. Yeah, and and you know what? I like all the talk you talk about Shyamalan. Like I like a lot of Shyamalan movies, even ones like people, other people don't like, like The Happening stuff. That's you know, The Lady in the Water. Wait, 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 wait. There wait, are a wait, lot wait. of interesting. Hold happening? on, did you say that you like The Happening? Yeah, yeah, I like The Happening. Um, God damn it, Jimmers. Like uh, The Lady in the Water. I feel like there are scenes from that that I'll quote to people, like with the film critics. Actually, like, they're little kind gems. Of, I can see in. The Lady in the Water, but I, I can't see The Happening at all. Like in the least tiniest bit. Yeah. Um. So no, I, Shyamalan's okay. I think we don't need to be so defensive about him. Is, is he like the Nickelback um, of, I of say, filmmaking? I, Do people just hate him what's because that? he's M Night Shyamalan? Is M Night Shyamalan what the Nickelback of filmmaking? Because everybody no, hates because you know piled I'm, on the, the no they're hate they're, wagon. They're redeeming things about M Night Shyamalan. Is what I'm saying. Uh, they aren't redeeming things about Nickelback. Except okay, that they're Canadian. I'm, I'm glad we're not putting him in the same lump then because that's that's I'll, a bridge think, you can never cross again. I think Nickelback's good getting down music. <sighs> Jeffrey. <laughs> God damn it. Good for the sexy time. I've I've never been so disappointed in you in my life as I am at this very moment. <laughs> well, it's like all about strippers and having sex, you know. No, no. <laughs> no. I'm not I'm not gonna promote any sort of anti Canadian agenda here, like we we kind of already done, but god damn it, Jeff, they're Canadian. All right, whatever. All right. Man. Well, I, I knew the twist going into it, and it was a still... So it had no effect movie. on you whatsoever. All right, Jeffrey. Where and when? I was at home, um, and uh, I didn't know the twist, so it was pretty good. Okay, so were you genuinely surprised? Like, oh, shit, didn't see that one coming. I don't think I did, actually. Which okay. I, I uh, see a lot of things coming, so... Yeah, yeah, which is... I think I left off a lot of movies that people might mention otherwise. Like, oh, what about this? And what about that? I, I didn't see it at all. I actually saw this in the theater, sitting through it, and I felt a little cheated by it because of the editing. Like, oh, you know, if I if the filmmaker hadn't edited in such and such a way, I, this would have never, you know, been the surprise that it was. But goddamn it, I was very surprised by it. I, I did not see... Uh, but yeah, anyway, so the, the big reveal for those of you who are paying attention, cause most people have seen this movie is that Bruce Willis is in fact, one of the dead people that Haley Joel Osment sees and he's 
he thinks he's treating Haley Joel Osment's character throughout the film. In fact, he's just one of the ghosts haunting Haley Joel Osment throughout the film. And yeah, man, I did not see that one coming at all. Yeah, right, you go back the next and one? you watch it. You go back and watch it, and you realize they like for the hands. Yeah, touched. They never touched. There, yeah, there are definitely some subtleties throughout the film, which is also a good thing as far as selling. And, and when the, he's in the hospital, and he's talking to him, I, I see them all the time. Yeah, yeah he's telling yeah, me yeah, I see yeah. them all the time. It's like you're right here, right now. I see you. <laughs> Get the hint. And he, but he's also the only ghost that he really interacts with on any sort of everyday basis, which also is a bit of a cheat. But whatever. All right, guys, number nine. Alejandro Amenemar's The Others. Okay, Jimmers, was this one spoiled for? You've never seen it? Okay, Jeffrey? I have, and I did see this one coming. She can't, outside of this little world, she can't get through. She's dead. Uh, I I did not (laughs) find it nearly as uh, obvious as you did, and uh, you're right. There, There are definitely some giveaways that I probably should have put two and two together, but I did not, but altogether, this movie is a, like, it freaked me out watching this one in the theater way back when it was, creepy. Uh, I was, yeah, it was, it was solidly creepy. And then you find out that the, uh, the gardener and the maid and now that girl are all ghosts and you're like, Oh shit. Oh shit. And then of course the, the big reveal as far as the spoiler and the twist ending goes is that Nicole Kidman and her two children are in fact ghosts haunting this manor uh, on the island off the coast of England. And uh, doesn't her husband show up at one point? Yes, the uh, like, oh, Christopher Eccleston, the, the the future one-off Doctor Who was the husband in that movie. Oh, the one part I found really creepy was the photographs when they're going through the photo album. Oh, my, the people. dead people? Yeah. Oh, my God. It's like, you know, there, there are people who are really into that shit. Like they posed dead people and took pictures of them. That's fucking crazy. Don't they, but that's the thing, dude. They used to do that in like Victorian ages. Like yeah, that so was a that. thing. I didn't know that until that. Oh, movie. you know what? I think you're. I think I knew about it just because of the, having the the history degree or whatever. I'd seen things like that, but yeah, people used to do it because it was so rare for people to have pictures taken. Anyway, if someone were to die without a picture, you're like, oh fuck. I guess I gotta take a picture of them dead because that's oh. the only photo we can ever take of him you know what i mean uh anyway that's uh that that movie was genuinely creepy i did not see it coming and it might have been a will willful on my part to sort of block any kind of hints out where i'm afraid that I, i'm not able to do that as much anymore but back then i definitely was surprised by the twist in that movie all right guys number eight have you seen this one jimmers frailty what is it Oh, no, I haven't seen that. Oh my god, this is one of the. I think I would put this toward the top of my list, not number one, but it's definitely if I were to make another list of like movies people should definitely watch before they die. For, it's one of those, I should say, unsung, unheralded movies that people should watch before they die. Uh, Frailty would definitely be on there because it. It. I actually saw this in theater back in like oh two. I think it came out and. And nobody really was talking about it. I kind of went in there on a lark and watched it and was just blown away by the film. And Jimmers, you haven't seen this one. I'm actually a little hesitant to ruin it for you because I actually think you would enjoy the film. No, just, just ruin it. Go just ahead. ruin that shit, it's man. Good. Whatever. No, I, I saw a study once. Um, yeah, people, if they know like twist endings and stuff in advance, they actually enjoy the film more. It's simply, it's a lie we tell ourselves that it's oh, been spoiled yeah, somehow. That's, that's true. Uh, anyway, as far as the film goes, it kind of has a very Stephen King vibe to it. It takes place with, I should say it takes place, it starts with Matthew McConaughey turning himself into an FBI agent for uh, serial murders. And he says that he's going to take this FBI agent alone to show him more bodies of these people that he's killed over the years. And throughout the course of this drive to this bodies, Matthew McConaughey is sitting in the back, in the back seat of this police, you know, the FBI's cruiser or whatever, and is telling the story about how their father, his little brother and his father used to go on these, uh, 
they're not quite vigilante because it's actually their visions from God telling them to kill evil people. And the one brother rebelled against that because he, he couldn't hear the voice of God. And eventually the, the little brother does hear the voice of God and, you know, falls into line with Bill. Bill Paxton is the father, by the way, uh, uh, in this movie. Uh, a hell of a job in that one. Yes. But what do you think, Joe? Like, there's not any one huge twist. I mean, the, the, the ending is definitely a twist, but it, there's sort of like multiple things in the ending that serve as the twist. And one of them is that Matthew McConaughey is the one who's hearing the, he basically he's been telling the story as one brother and comes to find out he's the other brother. And that's part of the twist, but he's also you, it's sort of inferred that he legitimately does hear the voice of God. And it, every single person that he kills is in fact like a murderer or a rapist or whatever. And so his last feeling, target, I got the feeling that they were kind of, uh, inhabited by a demon. Yeah. 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 That's what Bill Paxton's character says. That yeah. they're they're really demons, and you have to kill these demons, uh, and of course you're you know like you spend this whole movie thinking like it's just another because this was the '90s, man. These dark, moody serial killer movies were sort of a, a dime a dozen. Uh, oh, I should say '90s. It came out in 2001, but you know, it was right at the tail end of that phenomenon. Anyway, you know, you think it's just like, oh, it's a serial killer. This guy's fucking crazy. And then you get the hand of him. He starts telling this other story and it's revealed that this FBI agent is also a murderer. And Matt McConaughey's character has come to seek holy vengeance against this guy. And that's pretty much how it ends. Maybe. Huh? What's that? I heard like uh, laughing or giggling or something. Maybe it's the voice of God I, telling me, me to kill people. Whatever. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. So I'm going to go ahead and go on to the next one then. If that's all we want to say about frailty, you guys should totally check, check it, it out. out. You should really. <laughs> all right. Uh, the next one. Number seven. It's Chen Wook Park. It's a, a Korean filmmaker who made this movie called Old Boy that was recently, within the last two or three years, remade by Spike Lee of all people and starred Josh Brolin. Apparently it's the exact same movie. It just was Americanized. And uh I've not seen the Spike Lee version and I don't know oh, if that means you guys have actually say what? I was gonna ask if it was any good. Uh, well if you're put off by subtitles, I would say hey watch the Spike Lee Josh Brolin version, but I've not seen it, so I don't know how well it matches up. I heard it matches up pretty well, uh, although not to the same dramatic effect. Uh, Jimmers, you said you have not seen this, so I will go ahead. No, it it just like the idea pisses me off that like we have to remake the exact movie just with new actors because people are too like, lazy to read subtitles. Society, yeah. yeah. Or, or watch a movie that's more than a couple years old or something. You know, it, that's just disturbing. Uh, anyway, it, go ahead. It is disturbing, goddammit. With a movie with a lot of action, it it can be helpful to not have to read subtitles while you're watching people fight. Because you're, you're all about watching their moves, man. Uh, yes, definitely. I, I actually think... What kind of, yeah, of in-depth in discussions are they having in the middle of a fight? You know, what do they say? Ow, ow, uh, Yeah, uh, during the uh, fighting, there's ow. not much. Okay, really. okay. There's no voiceover either. So, right. I used uh, to talk shit when I'd get I should say there's no voiceover in the action sequences. What? I used to talk shit when i get in fights. <sighs> Jeffrey, but then you really wouldn't be that distracted by watching the fighting or the subtitles. Could be like, oh, he's talking shit, whatever. And I was watching fighting. <laughs> no, uh, this, in this movie, a uh, gentleman is kidnapped and he's put into an isolated room for 15 years he doesn't know why he was taken he doesn't know what people want he doesn't see anybody other than like the people who slide the food under the door doesn't really see any faces he sees nothing for 15 years i think he has like three television channels that he can watch and like that's it that is all he's got one day the door just clicks open and he walks out at the end of this 15 years so, I hope I hope one of those channels was a porn channel. I think it was. I'm, I'm almost positive one of them was actually. Because that would well, get a little frustrating. Years, I've seen it. Uh, <laughs> no, no. Like I said, I think one of them was porn. Anyway, okay, good. Uh, he gets out and he has to. He's trying to discover who took him, why they took him, 
and you finally uh, he he befriends this woman who's working at a diner, this young woman who's working at a diner, and she sort of helps him through and rehabilitate, you know, reacclimate to society and try to get to the bottom of what happened to him and his his captivity. Wait, aren't you skipping an important part? I did. I did make it. In, I did make it into the movie this far. One of the channels he would watch would have boxing, right? Yes, 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 and yes. So he just pounded the walls. Um, yeah, he he, he did train himself how to moves. fight before that, and he was definitely a coward and a wimp before his captivity. And he comes out, and he's pretty solid. When you do that, when you do that, it builds up a huge, thick calcium layers over your bones. I used to. Uh-huh. I used to punch the concrete in the in the um, walls in the basement to build yeah. up my knuckles, and basically allows you to hit people harder than you would normally be able to hit them without hurting yourself. Right. Uh, anyway, yeah. So he d- he does learn some things besides pornography in his captivity, but uh, the by the time you get to the ending, he's he's just mowing people down. Uh, it's one of those daredevil moments where he's in this sort of like narrow hallway and just kicking the shit out of people, which was a great, oh my God, it was a masterful action sequence. It's one of the best I've ever seen, as a matter of fact, uh, of him kicking ass in that hallway. But anyway, the, uh, the big reveal, the, the twist at the end, uh, it has this love scene between he and this woman, even though he's significantly older than this young woman, uh, they make love, and of course, you find out at the end, the big twist in the movie is he finds out that that woman who's been helping him was in fact his daughter, his baby daughter that he didn't know, even really know before he was thrown into captivity. Uh, and is a Greek tragedy in disguise. He ends up like clawing his own eyes out. Oedipus uh, Rex. Oedipus style. Yeah, Oedipus. And he, he be- like the one he's sorry. No, it all comes down to he had wronged somebody in his past. And this was this one guy's revenge. And the only, re- he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll call my eyes, you know, I'll tear my eyes out, whatever, but you can never tell her who I really am because it would destroy her. So absolute, I mean, brilliant fucking movie anyway, but uh, I did not see that coming a mile away. I, I couldn't see that movie that coming. 30 miles away. It still has a lot of yeah, good actions. So okay. It does. It really does. Okay. Uh, uh, the next one, number six, Soylent Green. Now, I know you guys have seen that one. And even if you have, no, I actually, I never have, but I do know what God the twist. Damn it, Jeff. But I definitely know it's, it's who doesn't know what the twist ending is. I know. And it's one of those things like, I, I don't think I knew it back when I first, I was pretty young when I first watched it. Um, and I want to say that, yeah, it's one of those things where it definitely is in the pop culture lexicon. The twist is a quotable aspect of pop culture. Jimmers? Yes. Yeah, I, I feel like whenever you say Soylent Green, you've just given the subject of a sentence and you have to just finish it. <laughs> is people! Like, like the twist is yeah, the movie. So you can't, you yeah. can't help it. It's just like, but, um, is people? Is is people? Uh, of course, this is a another one of those pop, post Apocalypse, I shouldn't say post-apocalyptic. No, it's more dystopian future in which uh, human beings are fed uh, what they think is various forms of like seaweed and things like that. Yeah, it's algae. algae yeah, stuff, right. Yeah. Because, you know, the world is overpopulated and having world hunger issues, which sort of smacks of uh, the modern day as we speak. Although apparently world hunger was down. Do you see that that report? Good. That, no. you know, even though we have like a billion more people than 20 years ago, uh, world hunger is actually significantly down. Thank God. I know. It's like, right. Thank God for Monsanto. Right. Uh, uh. Oh, it's incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I the thing that always struck me about the ending because like everybody knows that the ending is right off yeah. the bat, but like when you actually see the film, like it's cool. I think it's Charles. It is Heston, Charles right? It's been a long time since a I've seen gun it. Crazy, and they're carrying him off and, Oh, I lo- no, that's cool. Like that's the Second Amendment, man. That's part of the Constitution. Yeah, you're talking the, the and Jammers when they're carrying them off at the end. Legal, legally uh, yeah. owned and, um, and operated firearms. Yeah, um, when they're carrying them off at the end, and he's he's talking about the Soylent Green as people promise to tell everyone, and like you're just looking, and you know, like no one else is going to find out, or they're not going to care. The people that are there. And I, I feel like I see that all the time in society. Yeah. You know, like a report breaks, 
and it'll be like the 9-11 um, commission report. And we know like the 26 excise pages say that basically Saudi Arabia is responsible for 9-11. Uh-huh. Or, um, you know, the, the, the um, torture report that came out in the last year. But yeah, the CIA was torturing people. And every, like, there's, it's in the news for like a day, and then everybody it's, goes it's shrugged. It's age, man. <laughs> it's like, well, on is, the there at least, is there at least a little seaweed and uh, algae in with the people? I don't think so, man. I think it's just people. You're eating right, people jerky. Apparently, because soy, soy yeah, green is the most popular. Like the other things that you, you're eating might actually be from like seaweed and algae, but uh, soy and green is the most popular dish that the government doles out, and it's what it's like soy and green Tuesdays or whatever that was, and you know that's the, that's the one that people all line up for. Like oh, it's soy and green Tuesday. It's like hoagie and grinder Friday at school or something. Anyway, they uh, well, algae and seaweed is really good for you. So it is really good for you and highly nutritious. But Jeff, so is people. <laughs> I've had seaweed. People might taste better. Uh, they probably do. Uh, <laughs> wait, guys, long pig. Are we gonna try to eat some hu- human jerky? Have a little soil and grain ourselves. Oh, that fake that fake stuff that's made from tofu is supposed to taste like people. Um, wait, what? what? You never heard of that? There was a um a scientist that made a, a tofu jerky, but supposedly flavored like human. Like he went to talk to uh you know um the people in Papua New Guinea who had oh my no who knew what God. people tasted like. You know, like I said, long pig. And, like, uh, I, what if they just said, like, yeah, um, tastes like chicken? <laughs> Apparently, it tastes a lot like pork. Uh, well, I, aren't we very uh, physiologically similar to pork? Yes. to pork anyway. And our om- omnivore diet too. True that. True that. All right. Well, let's go ahead and should we talk? I, actually, now that we're talking about Soylent Green, uh, that movie seems especially prescient, uh, even more so than it did back then. Like I. I obviously wasn't a lot yeah, alive in the seventies when that movie came out, but it it has these sort of prophecies about life in the future, and even though we're not there yet, I think I can definitely see it better coming along than you could have in the seventies. Yeah. All right. So do you think uh, a lot of the movies like that were like, "Hey guys, better get your shit together"? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can't believe you're so down on Charlton Heston like that. You know, he was, uh, yeah, he's one of the original white What'd civil rights George? leaders. Oh, Charlton Heston, he was a, um, a civil rights advocate before it was cool. Yeah, that's true. Like in the late 50s and stuff. He, I mean, I actually, I, I love Charlton Heston, despite his uh, right-wing leaning ways. It wasn't just the guns that he was leaning towards. I mean, he's sort of like the... Tr- yeah, I know, he, he believed in the Bible, yeah. too. But I, Who the fuck does on, that? I like a lot of his movies. Yeah. I, I love Charlton Heston, man. I actually hated that part in yeah. Bowling for Columbine where uh, Michael Moore, like, ambushed him at his own house and, like, little old, and he's, like, decrepit and barely moving at this point. He's just trying to get the fuck away from Michael Moore. Did you see this movie? I don't remember that part. Bo- yeah. Bowling for Columbine? I, it was, like, pathetically yeah, Michael Moore sad. Movie. And ever since then, I have not liked Michael Moore. It's like, you know, it's one thing... To like, hey, I don't like the NRA and guns and shit like that. But you're attacking an old man in his own house for his own personal convictions. Like, dude, you're a fucking moron. Get the hell out of here. Well, he did anyway. the same thing to um, uh, Dick Clark, but uh, he kind of Dick Clark kind of deserved it in that instance. Oh no, I was curious what he did to Dick Clark. Um, no, I uh, like the NRA is is relatively moderate compared to a lot of gun rights organizations like the GOA and stuff. Um, even Charlton Heston, like he said in some interview on a radio once, like he said something about like I don't see why the average person should own an AK forty seven or something, and he got his ass reamed by gun owners for that. Like he's he was not as Second Amendment friendly as a lot of people. Uh, so you're saying that like he actually saw some so. saw some limits to things. Oh, so he said that people shouldn't have an AK-47? He said he didn't see a reason why people should have an AK-47. I think yeah, that was okay. the extent of his phrase. Uh, he's earned mm. some, and he got, yeah, he got taken to task by he's some He's earned people. some of my respect back. Uh, moving on, guys. Number five, Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. 
Was that the noise that you were just making? Yeah. Speaking, you know, twist movies, of course, that's the like the one thing everybody does is the shing, shing, shing. Did you know what was going on the first time you watched that movie? Um, I was pretty young, so probably not. Uh, how how young were you? You know, um, like six or seven. Uh, because. Uh, yeah, I was pretty young too, and my, I'm pretty sure my mother covered my eyes at the end, so I didn't get to see the fucking twist until like 20 years later. So um, I watched it by myself. <laughs> I got I got a little ripped off by that. Got what? You were watching Psycho at age uh, six or seven I, by, by yourself? Myself. I, I, I could watch basically anything I wanted at my Aunt Shirley's house. Oh, that's the same place you. where I was like terrified watch oh uh, friday the 13th movies friday the 13th part three everyone else is asleep and i'm just sitting there watching it i can't move uh did it ever occur to you back then that friday the 13th was fucking lame i was younger i was like five. Oh, <laughs> uh, you're pretty young i i think the first time i saw friday the 13th i was probably like i don't know it's probably like eight or nine so it's a little bit older and i, just, I remember thinking it was actually part five or part six no part six and I, I remember thinking how fucking lame it was. Like, you know, like, this is this is scary. What what the fuck is this? It's just some guy years going helps a lot. killing everybody. Yeah, it probably does. <laughs> anyway, Psycho! Back to Mr. Hitchcock, guys. Jimmers, what about you? I saw it in my 20s. I'd heard the twist before. And when I watched the film, it's exactly what I'm talking about. Even knowing the twist made no difference whatsoever. Like, you get so into the film, I totally forgot yeah. about it. I just kind of thought, like, when you see the old lady silhouetted in the shower, her head looked kind of weird because of the <laughs> yeah, wig. Yeah. And I think I may have, like, and there may have been a moment where I was like, oh, yeah, there's a twist, you know, at the end. But I think it's a cool twist because, like, you discover within the diegesis of the world in which Psycho is taking place that things aren't as they appear. Yeah. And that's cool. But then, like, you totally get mind fucked also like you're you're completely sympathetic to the young man and the mother seems in you know crazy and then you realize that the mother is the young man and he becomes really sympathetic at the end of my mind also and he's sitting in the the police um interrogation room and he's talking in the old mother's voice and stuff um yeah i i feel like your perspective on the movie also does a 180 at the end, I also. would agree with you on that as well. I, like I said, dude, I had seen it when I was little, but I, I was obstructed from seeing the twist for many years. And I think in summer, I later heard what the twist was, and I, I almost want to say that I, the time I actually watched it again, it was the uh, Vince Vaughn and uh, Anne Hesh, you know, shot for shot remake of it, which really didn't do anything for me. And so I, you know, almost immediately went and watched the. Uh, the original Hitchcock version of it, but uh, you're right. I think you do forget much of that throughout the entirety of the film, and it. Yeah, I guess that's a testament to the filmmaker. Are we going to say what the twist is? I mean, I kind of know. know. There's that new show that's on A&E these days, too, a, uh, Bates Motel. Anyway, the, so the twist is that Norman Bates had killed his mother many years prior, and mother Stuffed was... Her. Yeah, it was just a, a manifestation of him. It was very creepy when you see her, and when you finally see her in the attic, stuffed old lady. Stuff, stuffed old lady. Yeah. All right, guys, ready to move on? Number four. <laughs> this one is near and dear to my heart. I don't know to what level of obsession Planet of the Apes ever got for you. But I used to watch me, it all the time, religiously watched the original and even the sequels as well planet of the apes but of course the, the big twist is in the end of the original 1968 classic starring our boy again charlton, charlton heston, heston. Uh, who was a, you know the king of uh 1970s sci-fi films i think for those of you who have not seen it this is not the remake you know the reboots this is not the remake that tim burton did back in what 1999 or 2000 or whatever marky mark my, uh, with Mark Wahlberg, although Charlton Heston was <laughs> an ape Lincoln. What, Jimmers? Yeah, an ape, ape Lincoln. Lincoln. Yeah. <laughs> no, this is a 1968 classic, and where Charlton Heston and his crewmates, of course, apparently the the hot astronaut woman dies before the movie even really starts. You find out her uh, cryogenic chamber was 
broken and she's like this old desiccated corpse. Uh, so you, you don't really have a whole lot of hot woman, women there, but later on you do meet Nova. And the story is, oh, uh, he I was lands so, on this planet. I so had a crush on Nova when I was a who, little. Who didn't, man? Seriously. I probably still would if I saw it. <laughs> Watch it again. Oh, like, yeah. Damn, she hot. She, she she was quite the looker back in the day. Uh, anyway, yes. as far as the movie goes, you, he finds out that this planet that he's landed on with his comrades. Well, the comrade they all get taken prisoner by apes. There's a, a race of gorillas, orangutans, and chimpanzees who are humanoid and intelligent and very much mimic, I want to say, like early 20th century culture. Where would you put that, Jimmers? Uh, yeah, um, I agree with all that. I like that he finds the Statue of Liberty at the end. Oh, hey, that's the, that's the twist we're cool getting to. What the oh, twist? you just, you just uh, let the cat out of the back. No, it's kidding. Go ahead. I don't, I don't no, no, know No, no, come on, I'm just messing with you. Come on, keep on going. Oh, okay. um, because it's like, yeah, this weird thing where it's like the apes are objectified and enslaved by the humans, and then the humans are oppressed and objectified by the apes. And then, you know, like, what is the culminating feature of all this? Like, it's not just that it's us. Like, what is the symbol that he finds, which is the signifier that it was us who did this the entire time? You know, it's a Statue of Liberty. Like, we lost ourselves. I mean, it's really kind of cool. I, th- I think it plays in, too. Like, we were talking about um, the late 50s, Cold early War. 60s. Yeah. Charlton Heston was a... Yeah, he was... But, I mean, like, he was a civil rights leader before it was popular to do. Yeah. He was a great American hero. And um, it's kind of weird. Like, that's what he finds as a reminder that the entire thing is a giant clusterfuck from beginning yeah. to end. Like, that's well, how much we lost of the our great way. Cat and dog plague. That happened in 1992. That you. Well, oh, that was in 1992? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. According to Conquest of the, the Planet of the Apes, it was 1992. Oh, okay. But uh, I think that's why, like, the Tim Burton thing where he finds Ape Lincoln at the end. I'm I'm kind of okay with it. I don't know if he stole it from Kevin Smith or whatever the rumors are, but like it's the same idea. Like he didn't want to do the Statue of Liberty over again, but it's like, what is Abe Lincoln known for? He's the Great right. Emancipator. Like it's supposed to be like it's a it's the signifier that we have gone against all of our values. Those are very valuable this. lessons. Have you read the Pierre Boulle no- novel? No. Uh, okay. No. The, the movie definitely stands apart from the novel. Uh, sort of the basic framework's the same, but it's very very different. Uh, so anything else you want to say about Planet of the Apes? Um, like I said, whenever there was a movie marathon of the Planet of the Apes, I would sit down and watch it and love them. I swear the History Channel will even show Planet of the Apes like at night sometimes. Oh, really? I don't remember. Yeah. That. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like yeah. it's, it's huh. history. I could. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's like History Channel. Every once in a while, it'd be like, oh, shit, Planet of the Apes. I don't know what. The number three guys, are you ready for this one? And I'm not. Put, this is the, the movie I said was my favorite all time. Uh, although I'm putting it number three on the twist. I'll explain why that is in a second. And that's The Empire Strikes Back. Now, I felt obligated to put this on here because if you were old enough at that time, the film came out in 1980. Obviously I was, I was too young at that point to have gone to the theater to watch it. But Jeffrey, were you surprised at the reveal in this one? Yeah, I was pretty surprised. Um, really? Some some reason I had, some reason. Oh, um, my, my family wasn't into sci-fi as much as I was. So. Uh, all right. So your brother didn't dash your I hopes was, and I dreams. I was insulated. Then. I was insulated. So, yeah, the, I don't even remember. That's the thing. It goes back so far for me. I remember NBC used to show, you know, they'd have these, like, movie marathons. Like, every Sunday night you could, like, watch, you know, Star Wars one Sunday night. And you could watch Empire Strikes Back. So I'm pretty sure the first time I ever saw it was probably, uh, you know, like on network television or whatever. But, like, that's the thing. Like, I, it goes back so far for me. I don't actually remember the first time I saw The Empire Strikes Back. But I know I saw it before Return of the Jedi, which was 83, because that one I do remember going to theater to see. The uh, Empire Strikes Back. So the big revelation in this movie, uh, because we actually like to use revelation as a noun and not reveal fucking American culture. What's wrong with us? Uh, the revelation in this movie is that Darth Vader is, in fact, the father that Obi-Wan had lied to him 
and told him had died during the course of the first movie. And of course the, uh, pop culture lexicon that I referred to is Luke. I am your father, which isn't exactly the quote, but it's sort of what has been passed down through the ages. Uh, even like quoted <laughs> in Tommy boy or whatever, Luke, I am your father. Uh, he didn't actually just says, no, no I, am I your father, am your father, uh, but that that's it, man. But if you were actually to talk to people who watched the movie in the theaters, then people's jaws were apparently all on the ground. They had gone through <laughs> such tremendous lengths during the filming that, okay, we all know that James Earl Jones does the voice of Darth Vader, but David Prowse would actually go through the script and say oh, the things yeah, that I Darth Vader says. They yeah, yeah. didn't, they didn't have this bit of dialogue in the script that David Prowse had. So he says something like, no, I killed your father. So David Prowse had no idea that what Jacob's Earl Jones was actually going to say. Apparently very few people really did. I think even Mark Hamill, they didn't tell him what it was about either. They, they just went with what David Prowse had said in the script. And you know, like I said, James Earl Jones comes in, he dubs the, the actual dialogue. No, I am your father. And, people were like you know before the internet people actually were surprised by things uh so it did not take off like wildfire we didn't have you know people on subreddits and reddits talking about it beforehand like people were genuinely shocked when this fact was revealed even though vader is like the dutch word for father yeah dark father uh, yeah yeah dark dark father so like the hints were there all along but the two and two had not been put together by many people, that, if anyone back then. I love that yeah. story. Hold on, what hints were there? Because other than other than Darth Vader, I mean, what is there? Because I've seen a lot of people cite this as because like people are arguing that the prequels, although everybody concedes they're bad, like they're not that much worse than the original series. It's kind of like one of the latest oh, arguments I've seen kind of circulating what? the internet. What? And not that I buy into it, but like they cite this as one of the things because. Like, it's obvious in the first film that Leia isn't really set up to be his sister. Like, it's obvious in the first film, that at least to a lot of these people, the theorists for this, that Vader is supposed to be different from Luke Skywalker because of what Obi-Wan says and stuff so like that. So you're saying you know that I mean? George Lucas sort I, of I don't know. it? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. don't think that's the case. I'm not sure if he did it from I'm the very sure beginning or not. I'm pretty sure he was always you know intending... Darth Vader to be Luke's father just because one of the earlier scripts talks about the fall of Anakin. And I remember reading something many, many years ago about like the fall of Anakin Skywalker. And of course that was pre uh, he'd written the piece of shit prequels or whatever, but he had known all he, that's what it was. It was in the power of myth with Joseph Campbell that, you know, Bill Moyer is interviewing Joseph Campbell about this stuff and it has these other interviews with George Lucas interspersed. And he was talking about how he, he wanted the the myth of the son redeeming the father to be central to this his mythology as well. So anyway, that's what he says okay. after the fact. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um, yeah, I think it's cool because the entire film it's leading up and like Luke thinks he's going to have this grand apotheosis and he's going to reach some new level and be a Jedi after he defeats Vader and all the and he saves his friends and all this stuff, and then the reversal is that. You know, not only does he not have the apotheosis and he's defeated, but he falls into the lineage with uh-huh. Vader. Also, you, you know, like he's not just is he not special, but he's Ooh. one in a line. Also. This was the one movie I referred to towards the beginning of the list, man. And the movie that I was just like back when we actually had video stores. Remember those days? I was sitting there with a friend. I'm like, oh, man, what are we going to watch? What are we going to watch? And these, you know, these hot women, these hot girls were like, oh, you should totally watch this movie has a twist movie ending and i'm like oh fuck i don't even know what that is but i'm totally gonna rent it now because you're hot and i like twist (laughs) movies i liked it top to bottom from the first moment i watched it and i don't know how well you guys think like i don't think it holds up as well to time but it definitely does and of course the twist the movie is for those of you who I think most people, most people seen this movie. Are there still people out there who have not seen usual suspects? By the time I got to the ending, I'm like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. God damn it, Jeffrey. So you did, you haven't really even watched it then. It's a movie about a heist gone terribly wrong. 
and like the movie actually begins with a other some other heist that they're pinching these guys for, as in they're all in the lineup and interviewing and whatever. And Charles Palmentieri is the interviewing officer, trying to get to the bottom of some things. Uh, and of course, Kevin Spacey is the one in uh, the office of Chaz Palmentieri, and he and Kevin Spacey is narrating how this whole gang got together the gang by gang that's gabriel byrne stephen baldwin kevin pollack benicio that this is benicio del toro's first movie uh who am i am i forgetting anyone or is that all of them anyway so he, kevin spacey's narrating sort of the history of their little gang and the heist that they pulled and and how they got screwed and had to sort of like make right with one of the big suppliers or whatever the end, I should say not even towards the end. The, towards the beginning of the movie, a young... Oh, Jesus, what's his name? He plays Gus in Breaking Bad. Yeah, oh, in the Bra- guy who plays Gus is in, in is suspects? the other officer who's interviewing the guy in the hospital. Uh, Esposito. Juan, Giancarlo es, Juan Carlo Esposito is his name. And he's interviewing this Hungarian guy off the boat. Of course, okay. that's what precipitates this whole movie anyways. Like this heist gone bad. Uh, on this boat, and you f- you f- you know, you, f- you think it's this cocaine deal, or whatever the hell it was, and you come to find out towards the end that everything was basically a hit on an Argentinian gangster, engineered by a uh, even more shadowy, legendary figure named Kaiser Sose. Kaiser Sose, uh, which has also Kaiser entered the pop culture Sose. lexicon as well. Uh, to say something as a, as a Kaiser Sose is to say something is highly oh, yeah. secretive, some sort of secret, yeah, hidden mastermind. Uh, definitely, definitely. Anyway, so you, you find out at the end that, well, uh, it looks like Kevin Spacey, the guy who was like the cripple dude who uh, was narrating the, the movie through its entirety, was in fact Kaiser Sose. Although I've I've read a lot of other internet theories about who he dun, 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 might dun, dun, actually dun. be later, you know, at some point in the last couple of years. But this is one of those movies, like, my wife will still watch on, like, a semi-religious basis. Uh, she probably watches this movie once, once a month. She'll sit down and watch this movie. And she'll sit there and watch it with all the commentary and things like that. No, it's a great movie. And when I first watched that movie, like, I knew that there was a twist coming. I would not have told you that was a twist mm-hmm. in a million years. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. No way. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I watched it and it was the same circumstances. I knew it was a twist ending and I didn't guess it. No. And I do, I feel like you guys are right. It, it does seem kind of dated now. It feels very much does, like a 90s movie. And I and like at the end like there are parts I remember back to like at the end where the detective's sitting and he's looking at the the whiteboard and he he's sees all the names the dots, and he realized right. every proper noun yeah. that the guy had just used over the course of the last 4 hours was just off yeah. the board and so and I'm, I'm kind of like, eh. But I mean, like, the first time around, it, it was like, well, holy yeah, shit, it's it you, got me. You knew the big revelation, but, yo, oh my God. You, you never would have expected it in a million years. Anyway, so as far as watching that film, I think that's, other than my number one, this is the one movie that just floored me the most. Like, this was the one movie, like, I was absolutely stunned when Kevin Spacey is released from the the questioning at the the jail and he's walking down the street lighting a cigarette and his hand slowly straightens out as he lights his cigarette and his walking steadily becomes more normal because in the, in the movie he's been playing this like gimpy guy. They call him the, you know, the gimp or whatever. By the time that P. Postlethwaite's picking him up who plays the, 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 the supposed lawyer Kobayashi, he's completely normal when he's you know, the closing line of the movie. The, he says... The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. And like that, he was gone. Oh my God. Like that. <laughs> because the twist doesn't actually happen until the last, what, four or three minutes of the movie. It leads in perfectly into the, the closing credits, which most of these, like, that's the yeah. only one where I actually think the twist actually does truly end the movie. Right. I'll never ever forget where Kevin Spacey he's limping Twist. and then like a bus crosses in front of him and then his gait is perfectly yeah. normal and I said oh shit ah uh, shit and uh, I mean that'll never the, leave me uh, the commentary there are all sorts of little hints in between there like verbal Kent uh, apparently Kaiser Sose it means like talkative Caesar and 
you know, verbal Kent it means the same thing. Verbal as in talkative, and then uh, Kent is supposed to be like king. And of course, the, the Romans would have used Caesar as a title for a kind of king. Uh, so th- they were actually very, trying to be clever with his alias as well. Anyway. Cool. All right, guys. It's time for some honorable mentions before we get to number one. Jeffrey, got any honorable mentions? Um, I have none prepared. Sorry. Oh, that, no, that's fine. That's fine. Jemmers, you got anything for honorable mention? No, I just, let's, let's uh, keep going. Oh, I gotta no. go to the bathroom. Uh, okay. So <laughs> <laughs> my honorable mention, uh, are primal fear, Edward Norton. Have you guys seen that movie? Richard Gere. Okay. I don't think so. What's it about? It's about a, a so. lawyer who takes a case pro bono for this kid. There's actually when young, uh, Edward Norton was significantly younger and he's defending this sort of like poor, innocent, defenseless kid killed a bishop for basically raping them or whatever uh, and come to find out that uh, Edward Norton had been playing people. And his the big revelation there is that he, he sort of portrays himself as having multiple, multiple personality disorders, uh, but in fact he's completely lucid and he has no disorder whatsoever and he only reviews, reveals it to... Richard Gere and Richard Gere is like, holy shit, what am I going to do now? Cause he's basically gotten his client off on the, you know, the, uh, insanity defense. Uh, he, of course the, it has this very law and order type ending where he tricks it out of him, but whatever. And it was, it was one of those great revelations. Uh, another I one. No, I have not seen that one. Snow piercer. I know, I know Jeff's seen it. Jimmer's, have you seen that one? Yes, I have. I I don't oh think I've heard of this. God. Really? I haven't. It's got Captain America in it. Oh, dude. Yeah, you got to watch Snowpiercer. Any- <laughs> oh, you're talking about that uh, the kid from Not Another Teen Movie? I like him. What? The guy from Not Another Teen Movie. Uh, it's Jeff... A- a- Jeff... Jim- no. 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 Can- no. Evans. Evans. No. Evans. It's John Evans is Captain America. And he's uh, also uh, uh, the Invisible Man. Oh, yeah. That, that's... Too. Anyway, he, he's, Yeah. Human Torch. Anyway... Uh, Oh, he's in this movie? Uh, yeah, yeah like Chris him. Evans. And he it's Chris post-apocalyptic. Evans, yeah. The world has gone cold, and the only people who survive are people who travel this like year-long route on a train. Uh, and the only reason why they're actually able to stay warm is because of the you know the speed of the train. As I, you know, you have like a little hydroponic garden in the middle, and it's very much a caste system. Uh, and John Hurt... An aqua farm. Yeah, yeah, John Hurt is the... The leader of the back end of the tr- the train, the tailies, and of course you have this aristocratic society as you move closer to the front of the train, uh, and of course the big revelation. I almost hesitate to tell you, Jimmers, because you you need to watch this one. But you said you didn't give a shit, so I'll go ahead and tell you, dude. Uh, yeah, I got this movie sounds this movie's awesome. fucking awesome. You, know, you find out that I'm gonna uh, see Ed Harris out, yeah. is the guy, the engineer, the inventor of the Snowpiercer who is able to save this little piece of humanity where the, you know, the entire world has disappeared and you, Chris Evans learns when he finally is able to fight his way to the front of this train that, uh, John Hurt was in on it from the beginning. And that this is the only way that you could stabilize existence was to invent this caste system and keep people, you know, people in the back uh, struggling to exist and people in the front need to, you know, uh, have reason to live and things like that. Uh, yeah, so that, that was the big revelation, that one. All right, Seven Psychopaths. You guys see this one? Kind of. Wait, wait. It's kind of what the 1% believes. Oh, it is. It is what the, the 1% believes. And, and also, the remember, they, they start taking children to yeah. replace basically parts of the machine that have broken down. Oh yeah. Yeah. Now yeah. These children right. are stuck in the bowels of the machine, you know, replacing these, you know, doing uh, this thing that the little the, manual labor, for little hands like they used to do in the, uh, 19th <laughs> century. Right. 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 Yeah. Okay. So, uh, seven psychopaths. Oh my God. Wait, this is, this is different from the movie right. seven. Cause that's uh, a twist ending. It movie. is a twist ending movie, but I didn't particularly care for that ending. Which is why it's oh, okay. not on my list. Oh, I liked right. the movie. I just didn't really think the ending was that big yeah. of a twist. I, I didn't. It's what oh, okay. I saw it coming, so I didn't include it. But no, I seven. And of course, uh, I didn't like it. Here's your pregnant wife's head. Oh, awesome. uh, yeah. Like I don't know, man. I saw it. I saw it coming <laughs> a mile away. 
even back then when I saw it the first time. Okay, Seven Psychopaths. I absolutely love that movie. Uh, we won't get into it here because I think we're going to mm-hmm. run out of time. But anyway, uh, go watch it. And, of course, the last one I'm going to mention is The Prestige, which I think which Jimmer's wanted to say something about. Yeah, I, I'll talk about it, but I'm just surprised you put it on the list because I feel like the first time I saw it, I didn't get that it was a twist-ending movie. Like, I knew it was, like, a psychological film. And it's the kind of th- like you have to think about, and I I didn't think too much about it. Like the first time I really? saw it, Prestige, I just saw it, it was on HBO or something, and um like it, I, I felt like it seemed like a really cool movie, but it seemed like something like I would just write for fun in my spare time. It didn't seem like it really like resonated with me, like it would be a life changing thing. And then it was like later reading fan theories and stuff about it on the internet, where it's like, oh shit, this is deep. So I'm really curious. Why did you put this on the uh, twist list? It's because of because... the you know the the revelation that Hugh Jackman's character had been replicate. Like it's not a trick. He's been fucking replicating himself oh. this entire time and basically rebooting okay. his consciousness with each trick that he pulled. Yeah. I I thought you were saying that the twist was where um uh oh and then I guess there's two big twists. The other twist is that Christian Bale's character is a twin. Yeah, that's the twist I thought it's it's right. Well, none of them in the know. I there there are three twists. You know, because there's there's Hugh Jackman cloning himself. There's Christian Bale as a twin, and then there's the one that nobody realizes, and that's at the end where um uh, Michael Caine discovers a machine and then Christian Bale clones himself one last time. So one of his clones can go in and switch with the brother so that there can be a copy of each uh-huh. one of them who endures and they hang one of the clones. Oh yeah. That's yeah, the yeah, one people yes, don't realize. Yes, yes, yes. That's a cool <laughs> it, fucking, you know, I guess That's all three movie. combined. It was, I like that movie. Yeah. It's, it's Christopher Nolan. So we, we knew we were, we were getting something uh, good in return. All right, guys, number one, are you ready? Yes, I, am. I don't know if you guys listen yeah, to guess. the, <laughs> Jimmers, uh, I guess. Fuck, fuck you, Jimmers. <laughs> I know you love this movie. Although the uh, the African American right, yeah, yeah. comedian uh, Patrice, oh god, what's it? Patrice O'Neill is that his name? Uh, he he so. likes lampooning things that are culturally white and intrinsically only white. And he just recently said he saw this movie and he's like. I lied. I, up until now, I said Creeps, Creep by Radiohead was the whitest thing I've ever seen or heard. This movie is the whitest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. And that's Fight no, Club. because God. Fight Clubs are big in you know minority communities, too. Well, I think the Fight, Cl- the Fight Club is inconsequential. Even though the, the name of the movie is, in fact, Fight Club, this movie isn't fucking about Fight Club. He's talking it's about a movie opera. about rebellion and reversals, and then the highest form of rebellion of all is the internal, not this the external. This movie, I mean, okay, let me get a little, little background here. Okay, I was in college at the time, and in one of my philosophy classes, this this dude, he and I always used to, like, we had these philosophy classes together, and even though we didn't really hang outside of, outside of class, we always just sit next to each other, we used to talk, do whatever, and... He's like, dude, here's a book. The movie's coming out in a few weeks. He was graduating like the next week or whatever because it was December. And he's like, here's a book. Read this fucking book and then go see the movie. And I read Chuck Palahniuk's Fight Club. And it to this day, it's the only book that I finished. And immediately, as soon as the last page was turned, I immediately flipped back to page one and started rereading it again. I did that twice. Twice. Wow. I reread that book cover to cover after finishing it like the, the cycle i read it three times total and it almost you know, immediately the movie changed my perspective changed my worldview and there's a hell of a lot going on in this movie besides of course the backdrop of a fight club but it, it definitely does capture the zeitgeist of what it was to be a young man at that certain time in history but it also deals with a lot of greater ideas great greater ideas about identity and what Jimmers was just saying. Uh, and, and of course, cultural big, apathy. And of course, yeah. And of course the big twist, I wasn't expecting there to be a twist in this movie. Did you guys, when you first watched it? I can't remember. I can't remember. Uh, I, well, no, 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 no. I, I feel like watching the film, you knew something's up. Cause you saw all the flashes 
of Brad Pitt at the beginning. There's all sorts and of like slicing, like you get the the monster cock movie theater or movie projection pictures, and you get right. like the very you know all the yeah. you, you got all these product placement. Like, and this one, those little tidbits of trivia, and every single mm. shot of the movie Fight Club, there's a Starbucks logo somewhere on screen. Every single oh, shot, really? Yeah. Yeah, well, it's supposed to be in every scene. There's supposed to be some kind of star, but I, I've gone through, and there are a lot of shots where you can't find one. Um, I sat through uh, the first time. First time I saw it, it was with friends, and friend. Uh, I had my friend was like pointing it out to me. Oh, did you see? There's Brad Pitt. Oh, did you see? There's he, he is again, and was like, that's important later. But I, I still don't feel like I saw no. it coming. I don't think I had this book. I wouldn't. You know, the, the I would never have now. expected it in a movie like that. Not ever. Like it, it was already saying so much. That by the time you get to the revelation that we actually don't know the narrator's name, according to the credits and, you know, pop culture lore, they just call his character Jack. Uh, you know, like his, his uh, I am Jack's raging bile duct, all that shit. Uh, so the, the, you know, the narrator's name is Jack. Yeah. Never. Ne- like when he gets to that bar where he, you know, the guy's in the, the head brace or whatever. And he's oh, like, oh, yeah, yeah, you gave it to me. And like even at that point where... The two and two should have been equaling four. Like my mind did not want to accept it until he he finally you know says, "I'm t- you know you're Tyler Durden," and I was like, "Holy fuck!" I wonder how much of it too. And then all the flashbacks. Yeah, I, I feel like it's like yeah, yeah. I feel like it's a lot like the Usual Suspects because it's like I think Kevin Spacey and um God damn it, what's his face? <laughs> Uh, Ed Norton. I mean, I, I feel like they're both kind of like really good at playing like the everyman. Like they don't come off as totally Hollywood agreed, stars, yeah. and that's yeah. why it's a little bit painful when you have the big reveal at the end that they're master of the fucking yeah, world. That, that's it, guys. That's that's my n- number one twist ending. Uh, not only because the movie was great and very transformative for me, but that's one where you wouldn't expect an ending like that for a movie like that. And it, not only did it come out of left field, the revelation was huge, monstrous. And just a damn enjoyable movie. Damn enjoyable movie. All right, Jammers, anything else we're going to say? Mm-hmm. All right, go poo-poo no. then, man. I guess that means we're out, guys. <laughs> Everybody, go take a poo-poo. <laughs>